Colossians chapter 4, and we'll read the first six verses of this chapter together. So let's hear the, the word of the Lord. Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, and that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Amen. Charles Spurgeon once revealed in a sermon the unique way in which he got his motto tax for each year. In his own words, a venerable clergyman, a veteran warrior in the Lord's host, would send him a verse, and I think it was towards the end of the year or a turn of the year, and Spurgeon then would adopt that verse as his text for the new year. In the year 1860, he was sent by that old man, Colossians 4 and the verse 2, continue in prayer and watching the same with thanksgiving. And so Spurgeon preached in that text on the 7th of January, 1861, which actually coincided with the beginning of a week of prayer that the congregation had arranged. Now Spurgeon said of prayer, and in regard to that, this text, in Colossians 4 verse 2, and I'll quote what he said, It's interesting to remark how large a portion of sacred writ is occupied with the subject of prayer either in furnishing examples, enforcing precepts, or pronouncing promises. We scarcely open the Bible before we read, Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. And just as we're about to close the volume, the Amen of an earnest supplication meets our ears. Instances are plentiful. Here we find a wrestling Jacob, there a Daniel who prayed three times a day, a David who called upon the Lord uh, with all his heart. On the mountain we see Elias, in the dungeon Paul and Silas. We have multitudes of commands and myriads of promises. What does this teach us but the sacred importance and necessity of prayer? We may be certain that whatever God has made prominent in His Word, He intended it to be conspicuous in our lives. Pray that this year you must be holy, humble, zealous, and patient, have a closer communion with Christ and enter oftener into the banqueting house of His love. The motto for this year must be, continue in prayer. Now we had our own motto text for this year from 2 Timothy 3 and verse 14. Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of. And here in verse 2 we have another exhortation to continue. Only this time it is to continue in prayer. Prayer is one of the truest tests of our spiritual life. Our flesh, it hates prayer, but it is God's great gift to His people. It's through prayer that we can adore, we can worship, we can praise our God. It's through prayer that we can confess our sins and ask for cleansing. It's through prayer that we can express our gratitude to God for mercies received. It's through prayer that we can ask God for the things that we need, both materially and spiritually. It's through prayer that we utilize the greatest spiritual weapon in our fight against Satan. Now, in Colossians chapter 3, 
we have a number of succinct commands. Commands such as, let the peace of God rule in your heart. Or let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Or wives, submit yourselves or submit uh, you to your own husbands. Or husbands, love your wives. Children, obey your parents. Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. Servants, obey in all things your masters. And then in chapter 4, verse 1, and it's somewhat strange that the chapter division has really separated this verse from uh, the other commands, the other instructions, but we read there in verse 1, Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal. And so Paul's in the process here of giving out instruction, giving out succinct commands to the people of God and how they are to live in this life. And in verses 2 to 4, he continues on with that instruction. He gives further commands to the church there in Colossae. And he says to them, continue in prayer and watching the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Now, last Tuesday night, we considered Ezekiel 22, verse 30, under the acronym GAP, G-A-P. And I took that to stand for Get At The Praying. And I did that as I sought to encourage you to try and eliminate gaps from our times of prayer. And we're thankful to the Lord for the spirit of prayer that He gave us last week. But tonight, as we consider these words, I want us to think about them under the heading, Keep At The Praying. You see, not only are we to get at the praying, but we are to keep at the praying. And while we can't manufacture, we cannot replicate what happened last week, we have a responsibility upon us to keep at the praying, to exercise ourselves unto prayer, to labor in prayer, taking all the exhortation, all the encouragements that we have got from the preaching of the Word, and continuing on with that same purpose of mind and heart as we get at the praying and then keep at the praying. Brethren and sisters, keep at the praying. And that's what Paul is telling the congregation there in Colossae. And we're going to consider these words, especially verses 2 to 4, under that heading, keep at the praying. So firstly, I want you to notice in the first place, the perseverance directed. The perseverance directed, the opening words of verse 2, continue in prayer. Now, if you're going to continue in prayer, what does it presuppose? That you've already begun to pray. And every true Christian prays. It was the mark of authenticity that the Lord assured Ananias with concerning the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. Acts chapter 9, behold, he prayed. And Paul is directing these Christians here to continue in prayer because he makes a natural assumption that they already are a praying people. They have already begun to pray. That relationship, that communion, that reconciliation has been established with God, and the channel of prayer has been opened up. And so it presupposes to continue in prayer that we've already begun to pray. And we believe that the Lord has given us the spirit of prayer last week. And so the directive here is to continue. Now, the usual Greek word for continue is not the word that's used here. Rather, we have a compound word with a preposition added to the usual, the usual verb. 
And in the original language, when they wanted to intensify, uh, really the, the verb to heighten the intensity of it, they added a preposition to that verb, and that's what is done here. So this word continue doesn't simply mean to just carry on, but it means to carry on with earnestness. It describes a resolute, single-minded fidelity to a particular and certain course of action to endure with earnestness. The verb is also here in the present tense, which strengthens the directive of the apostle to continue in prayer. And prayer is to be the regular activity of the Christian. It is something that you and I are to do continually. Now, I know that the child of God, we are to be in the continual attitude of prayer. We're to have that God consciousness, as it were, whereby we can lift up our heart to the Lord at any time and in any place. And that's the way that we should live our lives. That's the way we should be. And yet I think that that is not what Paul is instructing here when he speaks about continuing in prayer. You see, rather this is not so much to do with the attitude, but the activity. The activity of prayer. You see, because of the old flesh, what are you and I prone to do? To excuse ourselves from the activity of prayer, maybe by falsely consoling ourselves in such a manner, well, I'm, I'm always in the spirit of prayer. But we never really get at the praying or set a time aside to pray. Now, I know that we're busy and we go around, we're working, we're continually lifting up our hearts to God, and that's prayer. We have Nehemiah's arrow prayer when he shot that prayer up to God. And yet sometimes we can fool ourselves concerning the activity of prayer. That is getting at prayer, setting time aside for prayer. And so I believe that Paul is speaking here, when he's speaking about continuing prayer, it's not so much the attitude, but the activity. Now, the very fact that Paul has given exhortation here to continue in prayer, it's testament to the fact that consistent endurance in prayer, it's difficult. It's a hard spiritual work. You wouldn't need a command to continue to endure something if it was easy. Or even we'd say if it was enjoyable to the flesh, that is. But to continue in prayer, well, it will take effort. It will take effort tonight. But in the light of Sunday morning's message, we're glad we can, able to, we can say, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And so, yes, because we are exhorted here to pray, we're directed to pray, we're commanded here to continue in prayer, it shows us that prayer is a hard work. And we can't just passively sit back tonight and think, well, it's going to come to us. We must actively engage ourselves in prayer to keep at the praying. The early New Testament church was devoted to prayer. They continued in prayer. And we see that in the Scripture. Just before the Lord Jesus ascended to heaven, He told His disciples they were, they were not to leave Jerusalem until they were endued with power from on high, the promise of the Father, the Holy Ghost. Then after Christ ascended, they returned into Jerusalem, and the disciples, they waited. They waited and they prayed for ten days, and the promise came. 
But we notice in Acts 1 how they waited. Because it tells us there in verse 14, these all continued. They all continued the same word with one accord in prayer and supplication with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. A.T. Robertson, the Greek scholar, in his pictures or word pictures in the New Testament, he describes that word continue, the same word in these terms. They stuck at it. They stuck at it. And that's what we need to do in prayer, brothers and sisters. We need to stick at it. You see, we notice in Luke 24, in the verse 49, that the Lord did not tell them how long they would have to pray for. Only until the promise came. But they stuck at it until the Holy Ghost was poured out upon them. And look, he uses this verb again and again of the early church, how they continued. They steadfastly endured. Acts 2, in the verse 42, we read there, and they continued steadfastly. Down in verse 46, and they continued daily with one accord in the temple. In Acts 6, verse 4, we read about the apostles who said, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the Word. Paul, he, he uses this word in relation to prayer in his other epistles. To the church at Rome, Romans chapter 12 and verse 12, he writes there, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. In his first epistle to the Thessalonians, he, he writes uh, that we are to pray without ceasing. The Lord Jesus himself, he taught about persevering in prayer, keeping at praying, sticking at it. And his parables especially, Luke chapter 11, the importune friend, or Luke chapter 18, the widow with the unjust judge. See, perseverance is the great test of genuineness in the Christian life. And that includes persevering in prayer. The perseverance directed. But secondly, we notice in this verse, the vigilance demanded. Because it goes on to say here, continue in prayer and watch in the same. Now, while we are to be watchful in our Christian life, our Christian walk, this is a specific reference to being watchful in prayer. Because it says here, and watch in the same. He's been telling them to continue in prayer, to stick at it. But he's saying to watch in the same. In the same activity, you're to be watchful. Now this word watch, it literally means to keep awake, to be alert, to be vigilant. And it comes from a root word which means to rise up. Now again, this word, it's in the present tense. And it means this should be our continual state in prayer. We're to be watchful. Now, there are none of us who can pray while we are asleep. We can't do it. When the Garden of Gethsemane in Christ, he left his disciples and he told them, Retire ye here and watch with me. What happened when he returned? After praying to the Father, he returned and he found him asleep. And he said to Peter in Matthew 26 and verse 40, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And you know, three times he, he did this. He went away and prayed. And each time he came back and 
he found him sleeping. We read there in verse 43 in that chapter 26. And he came and found him asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. Now, I think if we're honest, we're all honest, our eyes can be heavy in a prayer meeting. We've been out to the day's work, our minds are maybe tired if we're doing office work or school work, or our bodies are tired if we're doing physical work, or whatever it might be. And we come into the heat of a building, and the heat would put you clean out. And I'm, well, I'm awake because I'm preaching, but you're sitting there. But tiredness can overcome the bodily frame. And none of us can pray when we're asleep. But the demand is broader than simply not sleeping when it comes to the prayer time. It's broader than that. doesn't mean that. When Paul's saying, watch in the sea and watch in your prayer. Be watchful in your praying. You see, this resonates really with what Peter said in 1 Peter 4 and verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And what Peter is saying there is be mentally alert. Be engaged in praying. And that's what Paul is saying. While we might not be literally sleeping when the time of prayer comes. We can be guilty of letting the mind slip into a daydream. We can become dull in our engagement of prayer, especially when other people are praying. We're not alert. We maybe don't even play, pray, or pay sorry, close attention to what we're even saying in our own prayers. I read about a man who was praying and his wife nudged him and told him, do you realize you're praying for the cows in Mexico? He's a man who got off track. He, he wasn't alert. His mind was, was not engaged in what he was praying. And you know, we can be guilty. We can be guilty of praying those general types of prayers. Mind's not really engaged, not really focused, not really alert, not really watchful of what we could and should be praying for. And, and we pray, bless this and bless that. And we're not maybe engaged and alert as we should, thinking, well, what do we want the Lord to bless concerning that meeting? Visitors, preaching, stillness, good praise, different things. You see, we can go into autopilot and go through the ritual of praying or the ritual of listening to other people pray. But we need to be on the watch against the wandering mind, against the vain repetitions, against the meaningless expressions, the cliches, against the limited selfish desires. We need to be watchful as we pray, alert, engaged. A good way to do that is to join in with people as they pray. We're human. The flesh, the weariness comes to us all. Think, well, that man's nearly finished. I'll get the eyes shut now. They're heavy. I'm really struggling to keep them open. That's true. The disciples did that. But a way to elevate your alertness in praying when it comes to the time of prayer is to really engage, intently engage, listen, agree with people, add your amen. That's how you do that. You see, we are to be alert to the spiritual danger that is around us in order that we might pray aright. We're not to be sleeping Christians. We are metaphorically to pray with our eyes open. As a broken wall was being built up around that great city of Jerusalem, Nehemiah said this, Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto God and set a watch against them day and night. 
We are to be on the lookout. We are to be quick to perceive the danger and ready to act in prayer. What about these laws that's coming into Belfast concerning permits required for application equipment? That's an attack against the open air. Conversion law therapies. Is that for the best interests of people at, at heart? No, again, that is an attack on the preaching of the gospel. And we need to be alert to these things. We need to pray. Paul he exhorts believers, 1 Thessalonians 5 or 6, Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Let's be vigilant, brethren and sisters, alert in our prayer time tonight, engaged and entering in the one with the other. Now, just before I move on to my last point, verses 3 and 4, Paul goes on to say that this watching, this vigilance, this in prayer is to be done with thanksgiving. Continue in prayer and watching the same with thanksgiving. Our prayers are to be seasoned with thanksgiving. Paul writes the same thing to those in Philippi, be careful for nothing but in everything, but prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the Christian always has something to be thankful for. And this is the fifth time in the book of Colossians that gratitude has been mentioned. Let's go through them. Go back to chapter 1, verse 12. Here's material to pray for tonight. Think, what can I pray for? What can I be alert my mind be actively engaged and maybe praying to the Lord tonight. Well, we can uh, fill our prayers with thankfulness. For our Colossians 1 and verse 12, it tells us there, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, and so on and so, on, uh, so forth. We can be thankful for our salvation. Then go to chapter 2 in the verse 7. Tells us there, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. We can be thankful for our sanctification. That we're being rooted and we're being built up in him. Chapter 3 in the verse 15. It says there, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also ye are called in one body and be ye thankful. We can be thankful for society with Christ and society with the saints. Verse 17, the same chapter. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. We can thank, be thankful for the privilege of service. In supplication, we can be thankful for salvation, sanctification, society, and service. So we have thought about the perseverance direct. And the vigilance demanded. Finally tonight, the utterance desired. And that brings us to verses 3 and 4. With all, praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. With all other things, that they would pray for, Paul asked for prayer for utterance, for the furtherance of the gospel, for in that way the Lord would be glorified. And that's what Paul had at the heart of this. This wasn't a selfish prayer. 
I know it's concerning him and his preaching and, and different things like that. But the end of Paul's preaching was for the glory of Christ. And therefore, it wasn't a selfish preaching. He asked the Ephesians something very similar. And it's not surprising since both books, Colossians and Ephesians, were written during the same period of imprisonment. Ephesians chapter 6, turn there, verse 19. It's basically the same thing. He says there in verse 19, And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Just as missionaries, they go about their deputations, and they bring before the congregations the same prayer requests. That's exactly what the Apostle Paul is doing here. He's bringing before two congregations the same prayer request. Prayer, Paul was praying for an open door. Now, a door in the New Testament means really an opportunity. An opportunity. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, Paul, he says there that he was going to tarry in Jerusalem, or sorry, Ephesus until Pentecost. And that's because in verse 9 he says, a great door and effectual is open unto me, and there are many adversaries. There were so many gospel opportunities in that great city, even though there was opposition, that Paul was going to stay on. The Lord had really opened up a field of service to him there. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, in verse 12, he mentions something along the same lines. He speaks of when he came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, a door was opened unto me of the Lord. We know that God also closed doors in Paul's life. In Acts chapter 16, he was going to go into Asia Minor, but the Spirit, well, stopped him. He was going to go into Bithynia, but again, the Spirit stopped him. The door was closed, but that was to the opening of the door into Macedonia and the bringing of the gospel into Europe. We could read this like this. This part of this verse in Colossians 4, that God would open unto us a door for the word. That's how you could translate utterance, for the word. And what is the theme of the word? Well, Paul goes on to say there, to speak the mystery of Christ. All those sacred truths. Veiled under the shadows and the types of the Old Testament, now fulfilled in Christ and revealed for us in the new. That's what Paul wanted to preach. That's what Paul wanted to make known. We should keep on praying for opportunities, for open doors, for open hearts to receive the message of Jesus Christ. Keep on praying for the open doors. As you know, we have announced uh, for the nursing home team. And the emails have gone out, the queries have gone out to these homes, and we're thankful that they're beginning to respond. Got a response on today. So great to get your email. So thankful for this. Come nearly basically as much as you want. And so keep on praying that open doors would uh, be presented to us and that we would go through these doors, that, that open hearts would be presented and prepared by the Lord. But not only did Paul pray for opportunities, but he also asked for prayer that he might be able to preach the gospel. 
in the way it ought to be preached. You know, the gospel is a divine message. It's a glorious message. It's an authoritative message. It's a powerful message. It's a loving message. It's a gracious message. Think about the gospel and all that it entails and all that the Son of God has done You think about the wonder of it, the communication of that wondrous story of God's grace for sinners. And Paul wanted to preach it in a way that that message deserved to be preached. There's many things that Paul could have asked them to pray for, to continue in prayer for. His release, his own personal needs, that he might be able to bear up under the stress, but no, he prays for utterance in a matter of the furtherance of the gospel because he wanted, he wanted people. He wanted people to know the gospel, to understand the gospel, that they might believe in the gospel. And that's what he says, that I may make it manifest, clear and plain. We are coming to a gospel mission. And this is what we need to continue to pray for. Open hearts. And pray that we would be enabled to speak the mystery of Christ. That we might be able to make it manifest. In other words, remove any ambiguity someone might have in their mind concerning the understanding of it. Now I know that the Reverend Greer, myself and you know as well, we can't take away the veil that's upon the mind and we can't open the heart, but at least we can make it plain and powerful. And we can make it clear. And we can ask the Spirit to make it convicting. And so you can pray for that. This is what the people in the early New Testament church prayed for. Back in Acts chapter 4, we have the record of a prayer meeting. And in verse 29, we hear them pray, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants, that with boldness they may speak thy word. And what was the result of that? And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled, not just the apostles, The congregation, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. The utterance desired. This is what every preacher desires. That he might make the gospel plain and clear. That it might be understood that people would believe and be saved. So these verses, they present to us the perseverance directive, continue in prayer, and the vigilance demanded, and watch in the same, and the utterance desired, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ. Let's keep at the praying. George Miller, he said this, the great fault of the children of God is they do not continue in prayer. They do not go on praying. They do not persevere. If they desire anything for God's glory, they should pray until they get it. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving.
May the Lord bless his word to our hearts and help us to stick at the prey. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. You know, I was thinking before I came down, a preacher goes about, well, a long way just to get one point over to his congregation. Keep at the praying. That's the point. But it's good to be under the exposition of the word, what Paul is saying here and what we can glean from. What's the point to take away from tonight? A takeaway, Brother Derek, as he says to the children. A takeaway. Everyone likes a good takeaway. So keep at the praying. Last week we got at the praying. And the Lord helped us. But we're to keep at the praying. And may the Lord enable us to do that. We'll have a word of prayer and then we'll sing a hymn before the Reverend Greer comes to bring some announcements and then we'll get down to prayer. Our gracious God and loving Father, we confess the flesh would shrug against prayer. Lord, the weariness of the body and the mind would would often hinder us in prayer. And therefore, Lord, we ask for thy help tonight. We ask for quickening. Lord, even in our mortal frame and in our minds, O God, in our spirits, Father, we, we pray that thou will pour out the Spirit upon us. Help us, Lord, to continue in prayer and to watch and to see him with thanksgiving. We're so thankful, Lord, for helping us last week. Lord, it's a new meeting, another meeting, and the mission is drawing on, and Lord, all our things planned, and the regular weekly meetings, oh God, they're, they're coming fast upon us, and souls are, are drifting out into God's eternity, and our loved ones are getting harder, and further away from me. Lord, help your dear people to stick at it until the answer they gain. So hear our cry, and do us good, for we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.